welcome to episode 37 with Kamari Ellis. Welcome, Kamari. Welcome, ladies. How are you all doing today? Thank you. And so I am Courtney. I'm Hi, Courtney. Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. I'm Ebony. Hi, Ebony. Love all your right. sweater. That Woo-hoo. fall yellow looks great on you. Love it. Love the sweater. <laughs> you guys are silly. Right? So, of course, we always want to start out with a quote of the day. And our quote comes from the none other than Tony Robbins. And it is, success is doing what you want to do, when you want, where you want, with whom you want, as much as you want. Mic drop, page drop. So I love that. So I want to introduce our special guest today, the self-proclaimed finance rebel. And Kamari has worked in finance industry over 15 years. A few years, uh, or a few different finance roles, I should say, stems from accounting, financial advisory, investment analysis, and portfolio management. His passion is education, and it's evident in his many platforms. You can see that on YouTube and Instagram. And he educates us on his second passion, which is the stock market. And so I actually found Kamari on Instagram, reached out to him and welcomed him onto the show. And I'm excited to learn more from him about the stock market. But first and foremost, we have a small disclaimer here. Investing is highly speculative in nature and involves substantial risk and loss. We also encourage uh, all of our listeners and audience here at Real Women Real Estate to get professional advice and hire a professional investment advisor Uh, to make your independent decisions and do your own investigations any on any of the information or particular stocks that we discussed today we do not in any way whatsoever warrant or guarantee the success of any action you take in reliance or advice on anything that's mentioned today and all of our investments uh, or all investments rather carry a significant risk with um, significant uh, impacts on your decisions and it is your individual responsibility uh, to do your research. Don't take our, <laughs> our, our word for Bible. Yeah, you gotta put that only. disclaimer out there, right? Because <laughs> they will come back and say, hey, you, you told me, <laughs> you told me to invest in this right here. And no, no, no. Yes. And so, that actually happens to me quite often. Exactly. Do you do a disclaimer? I do. I actually do a disclaimer several times throughout the show. People, <laughs> You know, everybody has a short memory when it's not in their advantage. Like when something goes against their way, they don't care. They didn't hear it, but I do it multiple times. So Exactly. No. So you can appreciate that. So it's all fun and games, right? Until somebody comes back and tries to, you know, serve you up with that notice, right? So we want to avoid that, but still have some fun. Now, that was a kind of a short introduction uh, into your world and into your start, you know, can you expand upon that and tell us uh, how trading became your passion? What got you all into the stock market? All in, all the chips. Well, I guess I had to start from the very, very beginning. My dad was a uh, small black business owner. He was also an accountant. At the time, there wasn't a whole lot of black accountants. Shout out day. to the black accountants real quick. That's right. <laughs> Shout out to NABA and all the other uh, black accountant associations out there. But I would go to his office almost every day after school um, and spend time with him because, you know, my parents were separated at the time. And so I would go almost all the time to his place, to his office after school. And I would wreak havoc when I would be at his place. So he said, well, you can read, you can do things. Um, you want to do these taxes, read Pub 17 or Publication 17 from the IRS. And then we're going to start from there. And that's what happened at a very, very young age. I won't give out my age because I don't want to feel like the old person in the group. But uh, I started back in the 80s um, doing tax returns by hand. So I got a little I got a little history and a little track record going on. So, you know, started from there. That's I, funny. I, you do so, not look like you've been doing anything since the 80s. Yeah, you started um, when you were like five, right? Almost, and don't crack, do it. Almost, it just don't crack. You know what almost. I mean? Y'all are gracious, so I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, I, I was never really a fan of accounting, right, in tax, but I was probably too young to really realize the opportunity that I had before myself, like most young people, right, was the adage, uh, youth is wasted on the young. So, you know, I got I got to see a lot of things. I got to meet a lot of people, business owners, kind of see into the mind of a business owner, what they're thinking about. And again, I didn't like it. I wound up going into the tech field. 
Uh, and then from the tech field, I wound up having to run my father's office for a while. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to go back to school because I went back to school late. I went to school late, college that is. And I wound up going back in my 20s and then graduated. And I said, you know what? I still don't want to do accounting. I was a finance major. Finance is different than accounting. They're, they're very similar, but they're different. Finance is more about projecting the future. Accounting is more about um, following the past. So you can kind of predict what's going to happen in the future. They're very much related, but they're also very different at the same time. But I went, I worked some free internships. I know a lot of people don't like the term free these days, but uh, I worked some free internships, uh, got established, paid my dues, um, wound up with one organization where I met a mentor of mine who was actually an institutional Wall Street investor. Um, and then I worked with him for a while. He brought another company, took me with him. And so I was able to work on Wall Street institutional uh, investing, investing stocks and bonds, especially ETFs or exchange traded funds. And then my position was kind of phased out. They wanted to shift me to a different position. I didn't want to do that position because that position was more like accounting and I didn't want to do it. So I wound up going out on my own, got up with some partners. I was in charge of investing other partner was in charge of financial planning and we had another partner that was in charge of tax and so did that for a few years that didn't work we're all still good right but it, it just didn't work i tell people all the time partnerships are very much like relationships like marriage almost so you got to make sure that whoever you want to business with you're evenly yoked with you know y'all got good chemistry and y'all can work together so from there i wound up going on my own all this while though, right? Ever since I've ran my father's office, I've always kind of been doing taxes in the background, could never get rid of my tax clients, even though I was trying desperately. And then it just kind of came back and then it really dawned on me, right? From all my experience that one, in the financial advising space, nobody ever talks about the impact of tax on your investing. And I was kind of like the only person that did it. And then two, I wound up getting a radio show in Philadelphia and then that's where the love for doing radio, social media, and podcasting came from. So it all kind of came about all at the same time when I went out on my own and I, I filmed Philly Taxi. So that's kind of my story, the abbreviated version real quick. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. So then the accent is Philly, right? Oh, you hear an accent? That's funny. You, you always say you can never hear your own accent, but yes, the accent is Philadelphia. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but you can hear an accent. Absolutely. You can hear yeah. Well, that's, no, no, that's pretty, that's impressive. And, you know, I think, um, kudos to you for sticking to it, but not only that, but recognizing that there was something in front of you and exploring it. And it's always about, um, you know, like what, what you were exposed to. Jay-Z says, you know, if I was, if I was a doctor, my nephews would want to be a doctor. You know, it's whatever you're exposed to, right? You know, it's right. what's in front of you. So, right. um, That's true. you know, you for taking, taking that on. So hopefully my kids see what's what I'm doing and uh, inspire. <laughs> they will. They'll so, be the next real estate moguls. Man, I hope so. So, so let's get into it. You know, um, Talk to us a lot. Of, a lot of our audience, we we always talk about real estate. We're a real estate, you know, podcast. But um, you know, investing is something that goes hand in hand with our real estate. Either in investing in you know real estate, or you're investing in the market, and the two of them kind of flow on the same path, right? They kind of they're both kind of cyclical and intertwine with each other. So you know, tell us um, you know how they kind of get started if you are wanting to you got that itch and you want to get started investing in the stock market you know how would you advise people to to start approaching it if you're in real estate and then trying to make that switch over you know what what's some advice that you have to a newbie and i'm a, i'm that newbie so you're that newbie okay so do, me, do you me have cash well. app <laughs> kimberly do you both have cash app yeah okay so i tell everybody when you start new <laughs> no, but I'm going to tell you how to get some cash. <laughs> I tell everybody to start with what you know. And it's pretty simple, right? If you buy if you buy Apple products, if you buy Nikes, if you buy, um, I, I don't know, any plethora of pr products or services, you can start there. Now, that's just a starting spot, right? That's not where you ultimately want to end in the beginning because you can't buy every company that you use as an investment. But it's, it's a great grounding and a great place to start. So... Kimberly, what do you like? What are you into? 
Yeah, so that's, um, I've gotten similar advice from my uncle. He said the same thing. So I started, the, some of the companies I started to look at, I was like, eh, like Nordstrom's. <laughs> I was looking at places I was spending all my money and I was like, yeah, okay, I'm not sure about that one, but. So um, you like to shop? You know, not so much, but yes. We'll just, I mean, well, you said Nordstrom, so Nordstrom is top rack. So. I, I need to, where I spend my money. So yes, right. yes. So do you, are you on Amazon? You use Amazon a lot? Are you a Prime member? I already have. Do I have Amazon stock? I have Apple stock, thanks to Courtney. <laughs> okay. But um, I was going to say, you can, you can buy fractional shares on Cash App. You can start with as low as a dollar. You can, um, buy, you can buy stocks on Cash App? You can buy stocks yes. on Cash App? Yes, ma'am. Oh, I, I know you can now do Bitcoin and stuff on Cash App because I have a Bitcoin account. So I know you could on Coinbase. But then people are like, oh, I can Cash App you my Bitcoins. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Didn't even yep. know you could do that. So the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin app, because I brought like $20 for Bitcoin when it crashed because I was labeled the, the Bitcoin hater back in uh, 2017. So we'll to- talk about that later. But that the, the tab is the stock tab is right next to the Bitcoin tab on Cash App. And so you can buy what's called fractional shares on cash app, right? So I'm just speaking to the average everyday person. Right. I suggest they start small, oh, they start slow. I see yeah. it. I never click on that little squiggly line. There you Goodness, go. I don't know who Y'all I thought that was for. <laughs> no, I'm having an honest moment. Thank you so much, Kamari. I think that's solid advice. Like it, like you said, everybody has cash app. So that's a great, a great place to start. Yeah. And so if you wanted to buy, you know, I, I for example, I will buy a dollar of Apple just to show people, just to highlight that you don't need a billion dollars to buy stocks. Everybody thinks stocks are for the rich, for the old white guys in the, the white suits, I mean the gray suits with the white shirts and the black ties. That's, that's not the case anymore. Anybody can be an investor in the stock market. Now I do caution everybody to do their due diligence, to start slow, don't try to jump in, don't try to do anything fancy. Get your fundamentals first, right? You want to invest in good businesses. Warren Buffett talks about that all the time. You're not really buying stock. You are buying into a business. So you are a partial business owner. But, you know, I tell everybody to start slow. Get your feet. Get your feet wet. And then begin to understand the market and how it works. Because, again, the market is a collection of businesses. The better the business, typically the better the stock. Warren Buffett actually said Apple Apple is probably the best-run company in the world. And when you look at it, they just released a new iPhone. It was iPhone 12 yesterday. They do that like clockwork. Every year, they usually have an announcement in September. This year was in October because of COVID. But they announce something every year. Their marketing is is A1. Um, their customer service is A1. I mean, if you ever go into the Apple store. So that has the makings of a great company. Great companies tend to attract capital, tend to attract customers, and they can keep making money. So that's what you want to be in league with when you're investing. Now, when I was talking to, uh, you know, Kimberly and I, you know, I made a little post uh, and some people were like, you know, how do I get started in regards to a brokerage firm? And, you know, I was doing some research on you and you, you hit me up with something I've never even heard of. Right. So talk to us about brokerage firms and what I want to kind of preference is uh, when you go to trade, and you need a trading house and you go to a brokerage firm just like you do a, a real estate you go to a, a brokerage and you will reach out to a, a uh, an agent or a broker to help you facilitate trading that is kind of the same thing uh when you go to uh purchase and buy stocks but just like a real estate agent there's fees right that you have so i wanted you to talk about you know um brokerage firms yeah, I mean, so we can talk about uh, um, E-Trade, uh, Charles Schwab, uh, Thinkorswim, or uh, TD Ameritrade. But for right now, there's a big war going on between all those, and there are no fees. There are what? no trading fees. There are no brokerage fees. There used to be, but they got rid of them because the stock market is a little bit different than, than let's say, residential retail real estate. Whereas the job of a realtor or of an agent is to kind of market the property, get it ready to get to market, make it appealing, right? All of those things matter when we talk about real estate and selling your home and presenting your home. You're not really dealing with that when you're trying to sell a stock. The company that's doing it has already gussied it up and made it pretty, uh, usually, right? Like Apple's pretty pretty, but there's some other dogs out there that don't look good. And those are the ones that are going to be um, sitting on the MLS for a long time or being an agent's uh, inventory for a long time 
So it's a little bit different. Like the agents actually work in real estate. The, the, the brokers uh, on the stock side, on the retail side, right? Because on the institutional side, it's a little bit different. And when I say institutional, I'm talking about they're dealing with the big banks. They're dealing with the hedge funds. They're dealing with the mutual funds. And then you have the retail side where it's just the regular mom and pop folks who are coming and they still exist. They exist at like places like a, again, matter of fact, they exist at an E-Trade, they exist at a Charles Schwab. Um, they exist at a TD Ameritrade, but they're usually at a retail location. You can call, but nine times out of 10, you really don't need them. Nine times out of 10. There's always an exception to every rule. Um, so, you know, that's how people think of them. And they think about them like that because of, of movies like a Trading Places or Boiler Room um, where they saw the guys in there or, or, or Wall Street, right? They see the guys in there they're talking about sell, sell, sell or trade Anacosta Steel at a certain level. That really doesn't exist anymore because Wall Street has very much changed. It's not as people dominant. It's very much electronic and technology dominant. And so that's why we're able to do more of the things we're able to do now. It's not all good though, because before, you know, you had a salesman because basically stockbrokers are salespeople. They're just trying to call and get you to, to buy something because they make money off commission. But what we're seeing now with some of these self-directed people, DIY people, and I have no problem with that. I, I do believe everybody should be their own steward. When it comes to money, they should understand it. And when they use the professionals, they should understand what the professionals are doing. However, there are been cases where people get on Robinhood. That's another brokerage account, but it's, again, a technology-enabled brokerage account that makes it a lot easier. You can do it from your phone. Um, you've seen people commit suicide because a technological glitch where a guy thought he had over a million dollars lost in the market, but it was just a timing error and his account hadn't gotten um, updated. So, you know, there's good and bad with everything. There's good and bad with everything. I hope I answered that question for you. No, I think that's good. I really just kind of made me think about it. And honestly, something came up just recently, an article, you know, came up about just, you know, African-Americans uh, missing out on this wave. Like right now there is, well, really since March, I mean, if you look at the trend line since March, when everything just kind of bottomed out, there's been this wave and there are a lot of people that are getting extremely wealthy. I mean, just imagine if you bought 500 shares of Zoom in March, where you would be at right now. You know what I mean? Just think about these, you know, just think about this, but there um, stocks are soaring and black people are just missing out. You know, households- oh, I'm assuming that's the article. Go ahead. That's the article from the Wall Street, I mean, the Washington Post today. Mm. Well, talk, it, you know what? It's not, but it's probably all related. You know, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on, you know, why investors only look a certain way and why we're missing out on this stuff? So I, I've read basically that same article today. And if you do a deep dive on me, you'll see I'm a big advocate for black wealth, especially for black folks getting involved in the stock market. And I feel it's, it's a major contributing factor why we aren't able to keep up. It's one of the contributing factors. There are other institutional and systemic racist things that have gone on that also have precluded black folks from getting their fair piece of the pie. But when we look at what we have power over, what we can do, a lot of us miss out on the stock market. Now you talked about when the market fell in March, right? The stock yeah. market has been in a bull market or up market since 2009. As to be to be exact, March 6 of 2009 is how long this bull market has been running. And I've been talking about the lack of black presence in the stock market for longer than that, maybe 12 years, 13 years. Um, and it's because many of us don't trust the stock market. We can't feel it. We can't touch it. We can't smell it. Right. Our history in this country was such that we couldn't even invest in the stock market at one point. I do feel it's important to talk about the history because the history always lays the foundation of what we have today. So a lot of us, you know, don't like the stock market, don't think about the stock market because we didn't have access to the stock market. Um, and the Times, there's a great book called Black Fortunes. It's about the first six blacks from, from slavery that became millionaires. And there are a couple of stories in there um, where there was one guy from my area, from the Philadelphia area, who got rich by investing in the stock market, but he had to hire a white guy to do his trading, to do his investing. And so he made money and he was able to do that and he was able to then 
further his generational wealth and leave a, le a legacy to his family. And they wound up buying like a bus company or creating a bus company, something like that. But that's a great book. And there's all kinds of examples of us not being able to get access to the stock market. And you, you could probably see that up until the 70s or 80s where it started to shift. And now with the advent again of technology and social media, and we're talking about it, more people are getting involved. But where the money is, the money is still with the baby boomers. You know, our, our uncles, our aunts, our grandfathers, our nanas, our mom-moms who retired and have 401ks and pension funds that, you know, they're not super duper active in investing in the stock market. So a lot of times they miss out because we love real estate. I'm just being honest. Um, no diss, but we really, really love real estate. Nine times out of 10, the people at least that I'm talking to, they will opt for being a flipper or a wholesaler um, before they look at being a, a stock market investor or a stock market trader. So, you know, I, I think some of it's history, but now we have more people like me out there. Um, there's more information out there and you have more people starting to retire early, especially with the fire movement um, that are looking to maximize their coins. That's interesting that you say that the baby boomers are into, you know, that we love real estate because I, we found out, you know, just from doing this podcast that there's still not enough information for us in real estate. You know, they think flipping is the only way to make money or they don't even know how to, you got to have money to get into real estate. So I feel at least for our, the millennials and below generations that they they're missing out on the knowledge from both, you know, like the baby boomers aren't teaching us this, which is why we've talked about generational wealth before when we've had Chris, what's Chris last name? Senegal. Yes, thank you. Chris Senegal was on the show. And one of his, one of the things that stuck with me is something like what you're saying, but it's, you know, how we're trying to build generational wealth. And it's, if we're not teaching our kids that, then they're not going to know what to do with it. So if the baby boomers are, you know, not being, or they're not knowing anything about stocks, we're not teaching that to them. The older generations aren't teaching it to us or not even teaching about the real estate. It doesn't really go far. We have to actually find this information on our own or, you know, follow someone like you because, you know, we don't have the people that's, that's goes along with your point about our culture. We don't have the people that went before us to tell us what to do. We actually are learning in our generation. I mean, that that's true. Again, I, I feel very blessed, right? Um, you know how we have house hacking right now? Right. Yeah. But well, we have house hacking right now. Right. So we have all these kind of new terms, remix terms. So when my dad separated from my mom, he went and brought a troglex. Right. So I've seen house hacking all my life. We just didn't call it house hacking back then. Right. Even with the fire movement, you know, I knew people that retired early way before the fire movement was even invented. This is no this to the fire movement. Lost on fire movement. The fire yeah. movement about. Can you tell us what the fire movement is? I'm lost. Fire uh, movement. The fire movement is financial independence uh financial independence retiring early that's what it stands for yeah there's a whole community for it um and they're, they're about it right they're they're about retiring early they're about being frugal kind of minimalistic uh saving and investing babes basically getting freedom so they can do whatever they want to do if they want to retire buying, not buying jays <laughs> right, i was just not saying buying not buying jays <laughs> yes yes so, you know, it's it's the same thing. You know, it was here before, but now it's kind of here in this remix and we're kind of taking advantage of it. But I'll say this, though, about your comment about us being kind of the first generation who are actively and aggressively getting to the wealth. We are the first generation actively trying to get to the wealth. You know, before, I mean, if you really think about it, right, civil rights movement didn't pass to 64 or 65. That was only 50 years ago, right? So we are a generation plus out from that so our parents our forefathers our ancestors really didn't have a whole lot of time to talk to us about wealth because they couldn't even see it because it was so prohibitive and, and so restricted a lot of times so i'm not mad at them i will say this though like you said we had to be active and aggressive about educating ourselves now so that our children don't have to make the same mistakes and go through the same things now I wanted to um, kind of go back to your uh, comment about the article because, you know, I want you to kind of bridge the gap earlier. You talked about how we are able to now invest via Cash App, you know, with a little, as little as one dollar. 
but I feel like a lot of times there's a disconnect, right? You have this entryway, a, a lower uh, barrier entry to beginning to invest, but like, talk to us a little bit about the scale, right? Like the actual building wealth, because let, being honest, am I going to become wealthy by <laughs> buying a dollar of Apple stock or Walmart stock, right? right? Like, what's that in between of... I've just downloaded this app. I'm starting to educate myself about investing to I'm actually building generational wealth, right? What does that pathway to scale to wealth look like? Right. So I'm going to push back on you just a little bit, Ebony, right? Because you are a flipper or a wholesaler or both? Both. Okay. So with your first flip, let's go to wholesale. Like with your first wholesale, you're not necessarily going to be wealthy after your first wholesale, right? Right, you gotta no. do it over and over and over again, right? Because while you're doing it, you're also acquiring the education. While you're doing right. it, it's the same thing with stocks. You know, it, it's the same thing with stocks. You gotta do it over and over and over again. And actually, some of the best people I know who like work a job and they they're frugal about their money and they save their money, they do real estate and they invest in the stock market, right? So it's a it's a gradual process. You know, it's over time. They're not trying to get quick they're not trying to get rich quick they're trying to get rich slow or get wealthy slow because they understand it's a process they understand that you know you, you're going to have some ups and downs all right we're going to see we're going to see a real estate and a stock market correction at some point the question is going to be who's going to be tough enough strong enough to stick it out and who's basically been following the pad and on and on the uh the wagon the bandwagon and just following along because it's the popular thing to do Right. And so, you know, all of those things come into play. So I would say the pathway to it, right, is staying consistent with it. So, no, you're not going to get wealthy or rich with one stock or one dollar worth of stock. But let's say you buy a dollar every week and then let's say at your job, you get a promotion and then you say, you know what? I can buy two dollars a week, but you keep it going. They call that dollar cost averaging. Right. So every week you're doing the same thing. But let's back up. Let's look at all the dumb stuff we spent, right? And part of the reason why, I, I mean, I've always kind of been on this, but now it's like what happened was somebody brought up Starbucks during one of my lives. And I said, well, listen, the average person that goes to Starbucks spends about $5 every trip. I'm that person. I go to Starbucks before COVID, right? So I said, what happens if you skip a week and make coffee at home? Well, now you have $25 to buy and invest in a Starbucks stock. So instead of putting all your your attention um, and your activities to being a consumer, now you can start being an investor, right? Because wealth is really about a mindset. It's not even really about money per, per se. It's really about time. But it's it's about how am I thinking about the resources that I have? The American economy is built on the consumer dollar, right? 70% of GDP or the overall economy is built on consumer spending. We see over 5,000 ads, impressions every day, each consumer. Years ago, it was about 500. In the 70s, it was like 500. So everybody's competing for your wallet. Many of us lose that lose that competition every day. So we do impulse buys somewhere. We just give our money away somewhere without constantly thinking about it. What if we became conscious and deliberate and intentional about investing our money instead of just spending it, right? So right there, that's a win in and of itself. And to me, that's a win for the wealth side instead of the poverty side. I love that you said that because I mean, I was having a conversation and it was just like, hey, you know, you, um, I think it was in Kim, you're going to buy one, you're just going to buy one share. And it was just like, well, you got to start somewhere. That was with me. Yeah. Well, you got to start, you got to start somewhere. And, you know, and once the, once that price goes up, you know, wait till it comes back down and average it out. Now you got two. Now you got three. You disagree with that? So, but let's talk about real estate, right? Because a lot of my clients are actually real estate investors and developers, right? Um, so what would happen if you just bought one rental property 20 years ago? Are you better or are you worse today? Nine times out of 10. I know a lot of oh, things factor into it. Right, nine times out of 10, you're gonna be better. So it's it's the same thing with a stop. It's the same thing with a stop. Um, so you're agreeing you know, with me. Lot, you're, you're agreeing with me that you can start, you can start at one. Yes, yeah, you can start yeah. at one. You can't expect right. to be Bill Gates or Warren Buffett with one, but you can absolutely start at one. 
what those ebbs and flows that come in right you know with the the ups and the downs the election is gonna have a you know make everything all right i'll let you talk about that but everything historically from an election perspective has had an effect on the market right and so you just wait till you find wait till you find your bottom and you know you get in you buy number two or you buy number three and as i i feel like as long as i'm not buying at a high and and chasing then i'm then i'm all right as a as a as a budding new um investor that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at i just i don't want to buy a high and i because i feel like the stock market is very emotional so when everybody's talking about something you know like let's say that the split from apple apple split apple split you know and the value of apple didn't change <laughs> you know what i mean right. just the just the it just became a little more easier for the average show to to buy and own a piece of of apple but you know as somebody that is emotionally and financially invested in that company I always encourage people to go ahead and buy, go, you know, go ahead and, and buy that. But um, that, that's, that's mainly it. You know, um, I think it's, it's fine to start with, start with just that one. It's definitely fine to start with one, but I will say this, right. I tell people all the time, the stock market is probably the greatest display of emotion of human emotion ever seen, because you'll see it gets scared or greed. Like I always say, the stock market runs on fear or greed. Right. So if you see a war break out or some kind of skirmish, you might see stocks fall. If that war skirmish determines or, or impacts oil prices, you might see even further impact. Right. So that's why the Middle East is always in play and it typically always affects the stock market somehow, some kind of way. But I wouldn't worry too much about prices. Like if you're an investor, right, and you have a company you really, really believe in, I wouldn't worry about buying at the low or buying at the high. I would just keep buying because at the end of the day, you'll be better off buying and have that for 20 years from now versus trying to time the market. Usually time in the market doesn't work, right? And so it's usually time in the market that works. Now there, there are some exceptions. Like I said, I got labeled the Bitcoin hater in 2017 when Bitcoin was approaching 20,000. I said, I absolutely would not be buying Bitcoin because Bitcoin was exhibiting bubble like activities and you can go back and you can study the bubbles one of the biggest ones is the tulip the tulip crisis right and so we got all this big all this big hype bitcoin still really doesn't have a value it's actually a great medium of exchange but you have people that want to make it an investment medium and so people started doing that people jumped in and didn't know what they were doing and they inflated the price and then what happened price crash now if you still love bitcoin that's great you can still keep buying it but you know, you could have brought some Bitcoin at, at 20,000 and then you could be buying Bitcoin at, at 3,000. At the end of the day, it'll all average out. And if you really, really believe in Bitcoin in the long run, 20, 30 years from now, it'll probably be up a lot higher than what it is now. So at the end of the day, it usually works. But talking specifically about the stock market, stocks in the stock market, they tend to always reinvent themselves. Stock market typically, on average, always goes up approximately 7%, 7 to 8% in any 20-year period, 7 to 10% each year in any 20-year any, uh, period. So it usually is an appreciating asset, typically. So normally, you're still going to get more bang for your buck buying a stock that's a good company, right? I want to preface that as a good company versus buying you know, a pair of J's, like you said earlier, or some frivolous jewelry or something like that. Nine times mm -hmm. out of ten. That, so then how do you determine good stock? So let's go back, let's go back to the beginning, right? What's a good yeah. company? <laughs> All right. Apple's a good company. Come on, Kimberly, what do you think is a good company? Amazon. Amazon. What about you, Ebony? What what do you think is a good company? I look for companies that are positioned for growth in solid industries. Oh so, yeah. Like, if I were just to throw one out, like, yeah, people look at Apple because they make the phones. Okay, but who makes the materials that go in the phone? Right? Like, I look I look for stuff yeah. like that. So. But that's a that's a strategy. I'll come back to that. But who, what company do you feel is a good company right now that you really like? Whose products you like? We'll stick with I Apple. I you got on Apple. Uh, I, I, think you, I think you got other ones. You don't want to share your investment secrets with us. <laughs> now I work. I work in a public company. 
Ah, okay. I, got I know some I things. Don't be quiet. <laughs> yeah, because we don't want to get hit with no insider trading. There's Microsoft, DocuSign, Uber, Zoom, Facebook. Yeah, yeah Zoom. Are, right. uh, what was the uh, other we, one Courtney was telling us about? Roku? Roku. Yeah. I'm not sure about Roku, but Roku is going to come up. They, they're doing some things. I don't know how long they'll be able to do it. I feel like Apple might try to take over their space at some point, but y'all met Zoom is a good company, right? They have a stable space. People go to them. We're broadcasting live right now on Zoom. Pretty soon, you'll be able to have paid events on Zoom. I just saw that announcement today, right? So they have a stable way of getting money in. They were well positioned to take advantage of COVID, right? They were already in demand before COVID, right? So they were able to do their thing in spite of COVID. Microsoft. Still doing great, great player in in the, in the uh, cloud space, right? Many people don't realize that. Many people think Google uh, and Amazon are the dominant ones in the cloud space. You talking about are, Microsoft as well? So Microsoft. Yes. Yep. So you know they're all a- able to make it money. So when I say a good company, I'm saying a good company is a company that can t- continue to make money and be profitable um, over the long haul. For example, everybody loves Tesla right now. I wouldn't really consider Tesla a good company. Right, I think Tesla's stock is overpriced. The stock price has been telling me I've been wrong now about them because the stock has been kicking butt. But my thing is, where will it be twenty years from now? We almost bought. And right, remember I said if I get something wrong, I will I will admit to it. Right, so I've been getting my hand, my butt handed to me by Tesla. Right, nobody's going to get it right all of the time. If they tell you they do, they lie. But I don't believe in Tesla over. I don't believe in Tesla in the current state that they're in over the next 10 to 20 years now. If they make changes, if they're able to, to um, pump out more cars and get actual profit, squarely in profit, then that'll be a different story. But as it stands right now, I don't I don't believe well, it. I should have bought Tesla. Everybody should work on developing their own investment. I process. should have brought Tesla back. In- don't try to follow somebody else. We looked to buy it back in 2010 and, and are kicking ourselves because we didn't. <laughs> Listen, it happens. It happens. The thing about it is, right, you got to know what mindset are you putting in play when you're investing? Are we going to be of a mindset of abundance or a mindset of poverty? If you're of a mindset of abundance, you believe there's always opportunities. Just like in real estate, there's always an opportunity. There's always somebody that may want to move for whatever reason. Parent had an issue. Child went away to college. They found a new a new lover and they want to get married, right? There's always going to be those issues. So that, that vacancy of that property creates an opportunity for the agent or another investor or another family. So it's all, in my opinion, there are always opportunities around. And you just got to be keyed up on that frequency that there's always going to be opportunities. Same thing in the stock market. Same thing. I mean, even for stock folks that want to start investing in the stock market, but don't necessarily have money to do it, they can buy real estate through the stock market. There are REITs that are out there. You can take $1 and start your real estate portfolio. I love REITs. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, when I first start understanding about that, like one of my goals was to start a REIT because you only need 100 people. I was like, man, that would be so cool to like start our own real estate investment trust. But that feels like a pipe dream right now. That might be like a future future conversation. But I, I'm a still a firm believer in investing in them, especially like in your 401k, if possible. Like if you're, I'm, again, this is not advice. But like, if you're comfortable going in and playing around with the funds in your 401k, like for me, REITs were very successful. Yeah, you just have to be really careful right now what kind of REITs you're, you're getting. Because a lot of the retail REITs, we're seeing a lot of the malls close. So a lot of them are going to be uh, a bit tricky, but there are a lot of other good REITs, right? Um, there are REITs that are doing um, cloud-based um, warehouse. There are REITs that are specializing in um, in nursing homes and medical facilities. And as the population in the United States gets older, they're still going to be in demand. So I, I agree with you, Ebony. Ebony, I think that's the most you got excited today about those REITs. So clearly that's your thing. I just like all <laughs> things real estate. And so once I realized you could tie in real estate and like actual like marketing, because some people aren't as comfortable with actually getting their hands dirty with like, like a property, right? Or investing large amounts of sums in a property. So when I've learned that you can, you know, incrementally invest just, you know, in a REIT, I was like, oh, that's, that's great. But that was, yeah. So one of the things I left out that I usually don't talk about that much, 
But even as a result of me working with my dad, I used to manage about 50 doors because my dad had real estate management as a, I don't want to call it a side hustle. I mean, it was a real business, but it was a pain Wait, in the how butt. You gonna leave, Kamari, how are you going to leave that out? And we are, we are real women, real estate. I'm going to need you not right. to leave that out. <laughs> Casually throwing out there that his dad had. Casually throwing, I used to manage fifty doors. That's a big deal. But when I when I ran when I ran my when I go over from my dad, I was the one who had to run the fifty doors, right? And that's how I figured out I am not a good real estate manager, right? I'm good at getting the um, the repairs done. I understand that part. I understand the pricing of all that. Um, I understand quality. I am not the best at when it comes to evicting tenants because um, I have a couple of stories where I learned a lot and I made, I made some big mistakes and I've, I've got some war stories. I've got some war stories from being a real estate investor. That's why I always laugh at people when they tell me I'm a real estate hater and I've had a piece or two here or there. I'm not going to say I was a real estate mogul. I have real estate mobile knowledge, but I got enough to be dangerous. And like I said, most of my clients are real estate investors or developers um, and things like that. So I'm aware. I'm so aware. question. What is your, because you mentioned this earlier, but what, when you say, when you're looking at your strategy, right. And you're looking at long-term, what about someone who, or give people the difference between being a day trader and looking at long-term investments like Forex and all of that, because that's big right now too, especially in COVID I'm hearing it everywhere. So what are your thoughts or advice on day trading versus the long-term investments? So I don't think there's any bad financial tool. I think there's bad financial strategy. And within bad financial strategy, most of us don't know who we are. And what I mean by who we are is like, investing is a very personal, it's a very intimate thing, right? And one of the biggest factors in investing, especially trading, because trading and investing are different, is your emotions and how you deal with things. Like people get these paper traded accounts and they're like, man, I just killed the market today and I'm doing great. But yeah, put your own bread up, put your money up and then see how that goes when you have a down day. And then they start to do what's called revenge trading, right? Because they lost some money and now they're trying to fight to get their money back. Usually doesn't go out too well. And most times traders, their win rate is about 5%. 95% of traders lose money. 95% of traders usually fall out of the market. Now, again, I don't have a problem with it. When I was institutional, I would day trade all the time, but I was institutional. So I had a whole bunch of other support with me. Um, and that's all I did. I didn't have to work a job. I didn't have to worry about, um, you know, collecting money from clients or anything like that or from, from tenants or anything like that. That was my sole job. That was my sole focus. But I don't think that beginners, people that are brand new into the market, should start with trading. They shouldn't start with Forex. They shouldn't start with futures. In my opinion, they should start with stock. They should understand the market, how the market works. The stock market interacts with every one of those markets I just named, the bond market, the forex market, the forex market. Understand how that goes before you venture out and you try to day trade. Because, you know, sadly, there's a lot of get rich quick social media gurus out there. None of them really have any real experience in it saying, hey, I did this. You can do it, too. Some of them I'm seeing now have had big followings. And then I guess they partner with somebody and they say, hey, become a day trader. They never talked about trading, investing, stock market, or anything at all throughout their whole platform. And then now all of a sudden they're this big guru. And then now since they're an influencer, people follow them. And guess what I always say? Somebody always says to me, well, I did this and this happened and I lost a whole bunch of money. And so, you know, I tell everybody wealth building again is not get rich quick. Get your education first, get your foundation first, and then do it. Just like I wouldn't recommend your first time real estate person to be a flipper it's too many variables i would say own own your bricks and mortar on your door first and i mean if you got a mentor that's guiding you through that's a little bit different like really hands-on but i would say be a renter first deal with that understand what it takes to to you know frame out a house to get the plumbing done to, to what's it going to take to run electrical what what's it going to take to get all this other stuff done and then come to flip like really understand the process Really understand how your holding costs, you know, your mortgage, your insurance payments, um, your overage, right? Because a lot of times real estate people, flippers have overages when it comes to the materials. Understand how all that works. Understand that you're going to need some cushion in your budget. Understand that you probably, a lot of people have problems with their contractors, right? 
you're going to need reliable contractors before you get into that flip and not just use any old person that you come into contact with. So, you know, it's, it's education. And a lot of times we want to jump over to education just to the doing, but there's a reason for the education. No, I appreciate that. And I think that's what we're, what we're here doing is, is trying to educate people, you know, from that, from that real estate perspective. And you're right. I love how you are intermingling real estate with the stocks and investing and things like that. Cause this is exactly what we're trying to prove here that the, the two things flow. And so, you know, it's one thing to invest in individual stocks. It requires quite a bit of research. It requires time. Uh, I believe there is a benefit to uh, EFTs but I'm not gonna sit here and pretend as though I know all the inner workings with it. Can you break down EFTs for the, for the dummy investor uh, real briefly? Yeah, so they're exchange traded funds, exchange traded funds, ETFs. Uh, they're basically a basket of investments, right? So you can have an ETF that is all about US stocks. You can have an ETF that's all about Chinese stocks. You can have an ETF that's all about gold. You can have an ETF that's all about the Japanese yen. Uh, you can have an ETF that only invests in Russian companies or African companies, right? And so you can kind of mix and match and take that and create your own portfolio. Actually, that's what I used to do um, when I was an institution. I would manage ETFs to um, make these customized portfolios for investors. But I love ETFs. They're like the, the cousin of the mutual fund. Um, Ebony talked about the 401k. So usually in your 401k, you have mutual funds in there. Some of them have some ETFs, but not that much. But I prefer the ETF more because they typically have a lower cost, right? So earlier you talked about brokerage fees, right? Just so I'm clear and I don't confuse anybody. You have brokerage fees and then some of these funds have um, overall expense ratios or expenses to keep the fund or the ETF going. Um, some of these mutual funds can be very, very high in cost. Um, and the ETFs or the more indexed investments tend to be very low in cost. A lot of people think about Vanguard when we talk about index um, mutual funds or index ETFs because their costs are the lowest that are around. Um, but again, ETFs trade just like stocks. So if you wanted to buy IBM and you're like, uh, I'm not sure how is IBM going to work in overall tech? Like, how is it going to be? Well, you don't have to buy IBM. You can buy an ETF that, ha that holds IBM that focuses on technology. Same thing for Apple. Well, Apple's in every, damn near every ETF and mutual fund right now. But you know, any tech related company, whether it be Zoom, whether it be Facebook, whether it be Amazon, usually you can find it in the ETF. It'll be a small basket of it. So you might have, let's say the top 20 or top 100 tech companies um, in the United States or, or around the world for that matter. And then you can just buy that. Like if you were like really happy about tech, you can buy that. Same thing for REITs, right? There are ETFs that specialize in REITs, REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust. And so you can buy a REIT if you want to get some dividend, if you want to create some real passive income. I always say dividend stocks create the best passive income. Y'all might fight me over that because y'all might say rental property creates the best passive income. But I always say you never got to evict the stock. <laughs> so and you're never going to get a call in the middle of the night to fix a, uh, to fix a toilet from a stock you will from from a, a rental property nine times out of ten but you know you can buy etfs again that only focus on reits and you can get really specific on um, there's different sectors of reits you know you have lodging you have timber which is wood you have um medical you have um uh malls uh and then commercial buildings and there's like two other ones but you can buy different ETFs that focus on each one of those sectors of REITs. So you can get really specific um, in your investment journey. You can really take control over it if you want to. No, I appreciate that because I think I think it's important. I, I'm learning about it and I'm getting into it. And it's just, I think it's, for me, it just looks like something that a little more easier to, to handle and control. Um, I don't know, maybe risk averse than individual stocks. I don't know. It just, it feels like that. But, um, well, you know what? Go ahead. It's, it's definitely not as risky as only individual stocks because yeah. usually inside of these REITs, you have, let's say you have anywhere from 20 to sometimes thousands. So you get diversification. So if Apple drops and you own Microsoft, Microsoft is still able to run. So it'll kind of, it'll balance out um, the volatility or the, or the kind of the yo-yo effect of the market in your investing as well. Doesn't take it out totally, but it will balance it out a little bit. 
Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. You know, I didn't realize we could do this apparently uh, all night because I did not realize that we have been going uh, this long. <laughs> yes. This is yeah, this has been this has been a great conversation. I I do want to ask you uh, and kind of some wrap up questions and typically uh, that we that we always um, ask. And one one of those is you know just where can our listeners find you? Where can our listeners um, you know find you at? Where where are you stationed? I'm on all social media. Uh, you can either find me as Kamari Ellis or the Finance Rebel. But I tell everybody just send me a text. Right two one five. Uh, 974-0058, 215-974-0058. And I can interact with you and answer questions. Um, I mean, that's what I'm about to do tonight after I jump off with you. I do my weekly Wednesday, Wealthy Wednesdays, where I answer questions live. And I a lot of times I get a lot of real estate questions. So Awesome. And then you threw out, you threw out some um, uh, books. And so I don't want to, I hate to steal Ebony's thunder here. <laughs> but uh she is our resident book she's our resident book expert so i'm gonna let her take that on okay well thank you courtney you, you love me you do um <laughs> look i always like to know uh what books you recommend for either motivation or in this case like what books you recommend uh people listen to to get started um you know you said education is key so what books do you recommend to get started with trading so that's that's always a hard one for me because I went to school for finance. So I don't read a whole lot of investment books right now. But I, you know what? I'll say this. The uh, the stock market for dummies or the investing for, in stock for dummies is really good. Don't be offended by the dummy title. Um, they just kind of make it simple and plain. That's actually a really good book for learning about the stock market. Um, I'm a fan of The Alchemist. I think that's a very inspirational book. I'm a fan of... of um, uh, the Richest Man in Babylon. That was my favorite book. Kamari. I'm a, I'm a fan of Who Moved My Cheese. Let's see if I can keep hitting, hitting the yes. Move My Cheese. So there there was a guy um, who book I would recommend, but I won't recommend them because I have a hard rule. I don't recommend races. Um, Is it Tony Robbins? So he, no. Okay. No, it's not Tony Robbins. I know he's had some issues. Tony um, Robbins is a racist? I was just asking. Well, he wrote a book about money. Word. Really? No, but Tony got in trouble because supposedly he said something about the N-word. Um, but I don't know the whole context of it. But there was there was something out there floating about that. But no, a hot I, take. for the most part, All I, don't, right. I, don't, I don't. Yep. I don't I don't have a problem with Tony. Um, because I haven't seen that whole thing, so I need to go research that. But right. uh let's see. There's there's a couple other um I think you said for inspiration, right? I think we all should read Black Fortunes by Shamari Wills. Again, it's about the six blacks that were enslaved, that got free, um, that actually became millionaires. And there's actually more than six people in there, but he really drills down on the six. Like he talks about Adam C.J. Walker. Um, he talks about Annie Malone. Kind of gives a little bit more, a little bit more color on that situation than the, um, than the. Uh, uh, Madam C.J. Walker uh, documentary did. I think they actually did a disservice to their relationship, um, in my opinion. In my opinion, but you know, I can't take anything away from either one of them. They both did great things. And let's see, can I think of any more? Can't think of any more off the top of my head. But I'll think of some more, and then I'll send them y'all way, or I'll find some. I, I got it. a whole bookshelf and stuff in there. And then um, if I were stealing Kimberly's thunder, what would you ask Kimberly? <laughs> well, I would real estate. So he's not doing that. My, my normal question is what are your current investments? So what are your top, we're talking stocks. What are your top five right now? My top five in stocks. So I've been really vocal about Ford. I bought about a hundred shares in Ford. Um, I have some other investments that I have, but I don't, usually don't talk about them publicly, but I have Ford, I have Amazon, I have Starbucks, I have Nike, and I have Apple. Now, what I'm looking at buying now is uh, an ETF called XLE, which is an, actually, I started buying it. It's, a, it's an energy ETF because I'm looking for boring investments. Everybody's been, been pumped up about um, the tech. I like to kind of go the other way and see where there's value at in other places. 
So I'm looking at oil because oil's gotten beat up. Oil companies have gotten beat up this year, but they still pay a great dividend. And so Exxon and why Chevron, Ford? what's that? Why Ford? Oh, why Any, Ford? So, just, so just Ford, wondering, what is your thought process behind the ones that are your top ones? Yeah, so Ford, I like Ford. It's a long-term play. So I'm not looking forward to to knock it out the park in the next year. I'm looking to hold it over 10 to 20 years, but it's at an all-time low. It's, it's like $7. Yeah, well, I, I was I dollar-cost average into it around five bucks because it went as low as like four fifty, and so it's it's the number two car manufacturer in the country they're very well positioned in the ev space or the electronic vehicle space right they've got 35 billion dollars in cash right so they'll be able to sustain the pandemic and they're coming out with a new car portfolio that's out of this world the new mustang's hot the new bronco's hot the new uh, ford f-150's hot actually the f-150 is the most brought truck in the country so I think they will be, and they've always been a well-run company. Even when you go back to the Great Recession in 08, 09, when the government was making all the car companies take money, they made Ford take the money, but Ford didn't need the money. So they've always been a well-run company. They're not shout as flashy as a GM. That What's that? Shout out to OJ for that Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to OJ. Shout out to OJ. I don't know. Do I want to shout out OJ? Oh, no, I was about to say yeah. maybe that's not weird stuff. Maybe that's not the best. How about the Bronco? Okay, yeah. <laughs> that, may, that may not be the best, but I have seen the new model of Bronco, and I think for the people who are nostalgic of that time, it is it is a pretty yeah. cool car. But um, almost some solid recommendations. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it for that XLE was the the energy source one. Yes, that yeah. so that that buys basically oil companies. Now, everybody says, well, Kamar, why are you interested in XLE where alternative is coming? Alternative is coming. Solar is coming. Wind's coming. Um, hydro's coming. It's all here. But we're not getting rid of oil anytime soon. Yeah, we've had the technology for for um, alternative energy for quite some time. What stopped it? The oil lobby, right? I mean, we could have changed over to electronic vehicles probably a long time ago. Tesla, the real Tesla, Nikolai Tesla, um, had the technology a while ago. But we never put it into play because oil is still, oil still oil, oil still valuable, oil still major. So I don't see it going all the way out. Is it going to be the next big thing? No. But like I said, I'm looking for boring things. I'm looking for dividend. I'm looking to build up um, passive income as well. I'm also looking at some REITs. But if you look at Exxon, if you look at the dividend on Exxon, it's it's bananas. It's it's absolutely bananas. So Exxon is ticker symbol XOM. And I want to say the last time I looked at it, it was like 11%. All right. $30 stock. So 11% in dividends? The yield. Yeah. The dividend yeah, yield. Yeah, that's high. Yes. I have waste management and that's one of my highest one that pays out dividends. But that's, I, I mean. You know what? I've been looking at waste management. Waste management isn't going anywhere either. Yeah, I've had that one for since 2012. So I'll tell you, you a baller. You out here balling. Nah. Y'all, If I would have bought more shares, I would be, but no. <laughs> y'all out here, y'all all cat. Y'all, y'all not telling me the truth. Y'all got portfolios <laughs> no, in I, stock and real estate. I see y'all. I like the dividends. <laughs> yeah, it, it works. It works. It works. Awesome. No, I think that's solid advice. And, you know, I just want to point out for Tesla, they, they make more than cars. When you talk about wind and solar, you know, if you talk about here, you know, all I see are these solar panels popping up and they're, uh, Tesla's making them. So, you know, it's, it's, they, they have a, they have an expansive portfolio, which I think helps with that, with that sticker price. But yeah, let me throw this but, at you. Huh? Let me throw this at you real quick. <laughs> oh man, I need to open up a can of worms. <laughs> 80 to 90% of Tesla's revenue is from automobiles. It is. It is. But you, I'm you just get, saying. I mean, you're, you're right. right. I'm going to leave, right. you, yeah. leave it there. You're going to leave it there. You're the expert. I'm, I, you know, no, you know what just, I see in your strategy? I think that? there's two strategy. I think there's a strategy of investing in companies that are, you know, COVID friendly, like you're thinking about COVID. And the second I strategy, I think, is going back to work strategy. So I don't think, it, you know, I think you're, I think you're kind of leaning towards like going back to work strategy with your um, XLE, your Exxon's, your oils, your Fords. You're thinking more future 
term is where I think I'm thinking more in, you know, I hate to throw my stuff out there, but like a thermal fisher. Um, you know, I'm thinking more COVID. I'm thinking more vaccines. I'm thinking, you know, these solid companies like that. So I think, you know, like you said, it's very personal. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's a very, you know, individual thing that I think, you know, you, you focus on um, and you just kind of, you kind of keep it to you. I'm learning about, you know, being a silent assassin. And, and coming in and not talking about it, but just going in and purchasing and then saying, hey, this is what I, you know, this is what I reckon, this is what I did. You know what I mean? You, you do what you want to do. Yeah, but, and, and, you know, I'm passionate about it, right? So that's why I'll throw that fact out of you. It's 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 more so in fun than yeah. I'm not trying to put you down because there is no right or wrong, right? It's what yeah. you think is going to work. At the there you the go. Day. Well, speaking of fun, let's just have a little fun, right? You are in Philly. All right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess when, you know, you had you had your big stock and everything went 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 high and you were like, whoa, I'm really doing this bopping. And you wanted to celebrate. Like what what what's your what music were you listening to? What's your go to? Oh, what music do I listen to? Oh man. So you threw some hove out earlier. I'm a big hove fan. Um, All right. I love everything. I'm very eclectic, right? You could anyone any day you can hear, hear me listening to What's the last um, song R&B, you listened to? The last song I listened to? Yeah. I gotta I gotta pull up my phone. Oh my gosh. You're supposed to be off the dome. I gotta pull I don't remember. I listen to music all the time. I'm a big It's a I'm passion a of mine. Fan. I'm a big music fan too. It's a passion. I had a trap called Quest on your on your picture. I was like, okay, I'm feeling it. Yeah, I'm definitely <laughs> a tribe fan. Rest in peace, fight dog. Um so the last thing I listened to technically was a podcast called Better with Paul. I'm a big fan of uh, Paul. What's Paul's last name? Paul, Paul Simon. Paul Brunton. Uh, like, Paul, Paul Brunton. I said music. Oh, Paul. Okay, I don't know him. I know, but I just. Poured, I'm sorry, I switched on you. So the now, first Kamari, thing that you came up watch, was this. You gotta watch uh, Courtney. <laughs> what? He's a stickler. What I do? He's a stickler. Talk about Paul Simon. <laughs> okay. I'm like, what do you mean? No, oh, Paul Simon's Simon is actually in a couple of. Paul Simon yeah. is a man. Don't sleep on yeah. Paul. So, all right, I, I I pulled up my um my own repeat list. So the song that jumps out me right away is called "Back in Love" by The Dream. I love that song. I love The Dream. I think he's all right. musical genius. All right, I like it. I'm not mad at that. That's better than the other musical genius, which is a self-proclaimed musical genius. I'm not even gonna bring that man up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Well, he's a musical genius. He just don't read, so his his span of growth is kind of retarded. Um, yeah, if that's even a word we can use. Yeah, you know, we'll 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 refrain. We'll refrain from that dude. So, <laughs> so so the next thing is, you know, we've been talking about stock. I just want you to name. I know you popped off a bunch of stuff. I want you to give me one sleeper stock. One sleeper. So there's one stock that I think will. Well, there's a couple, but there's a couple that'll be around forever. J and J, Johnson and Johnson, that's one. I wouldn't call it a sleeper, but it's always yeah. going to be here. Kimberly Clark is another one. When you look at when you look at either one of those two, even though they're they're kind of getting up there, they're kind of high now. I think they will be quite fine over the next 10, 20, 30 years. I like it. And then the last thing is, you know what I mean? You know, we're all kind of stationary. Everybody is different, different on different parts of the country. Here in Silicon Valley, we can't do anything. Our kids can't go to school. We can't go nowhere. Uh, so there's there's some plans yeah, once like you know, everything. Yeah, oh, in Philly. So my my mm-hmm. next question was just, what do you what do you plan on? What are you most looking forward to? Like, you know, um, when you can move around, you know, what what are you what are you most looking forward to? <laughs> travel. travel absolutely um my goal yeah i have this like secret goal of becoming a digital nomad and just kind of wandering around as much as possible if it's possible but just going to different places experiencing different things i think many times our um and i'm your bucket list place the black community i think bucket list everywhere where african people are whether it be Shout cuba colombia yeah. haiti yeah yeah, Ghana, um, anywhere where African people are. Yes, that's it right there, man. That's mic drop. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. You know what? I since you like a music, you know, 
person, if you could, if you could do like, if you could put two people together on a versus, who would it be? Alive or dead? Both. Or both. both. Michael Jackson versus Prince. Oh, I knew you was going there. <laughs> when you said dead. And then who's your Who's who's I winning? didn't. But that shit was good though. <laughs> Y'all don't do this. It would depend. It, no, no, no. It would depend on my mood on the day, but nine times out of ten, I would give it to Michael. Why? Yes. Prince can play every You said don't do this, then you're going to ask the man why. No, I'm sorry. Listen, I I, love there's it. a right answer to that question. That's and it was, now, I'm, I'm going to tell, tell you why. Michael, I mean, excuse me, Prince can definitely play every instrument. Michael can sing every instrument. And Michael actually has... He has, a, he, I think he still has the number one sold album of all time with Thriller. But what's better than Thriller? Off the Wall. Off the Wall is better than Thriller. So I can compose 20 songs between Off the Wall, Thriller, and the Jacksons. That would be the Jackson and the Jackson Five. That Shout out to Barry Gordy. Shout out to Quincy Jones yep. for uh, making all of that happen. Being the best <laughs> producer ever. Quincy is the best producer ever. Everybody, right. don't look too happy with me. I see. I, no. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it. to break your heart, Ebony. No, 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 no. I really don't I, think I picked the wrong guy. No, you can't. There definitely is the right answer. You can't really compare the two. I mean, you're talking about you, you got to include Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis. You know, you got to include exactly. the the time. You got to include, you know, Vanity Six, Apollonia. You got to include all the songs that you wrote for people. Okay. No, well, we're not going to get into I, it. I, have a, yeah. I have a retort for that, but I do have to go. I, I want to have this discussion <laughs> later, right? Because you're going to talk about. What was the the group he created where he sung every part? The family, I think it was the family. Uh, Screams of Passion, I think it was like one of the main songs. Where uh, the heck was the guy? Like I'm into my music. Don't I'm into my music. But right. I don't think I don't think you can compare that catalog to Mike's tenure over the years. Yeah. No. Mike. Mike. Right. You're gonna have to leave it there. And on that, we was gonna invite you back. We was gonna invite you back. Get that right. Now I'll come back and I'll definitely have you ladies on my show as well. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Well, All thank right. you so much for uh, being here. Thank you for being on the show. We enjoyed this and we look forward to the next time. All right, ladies. Thank you for having All me. Right. Appreciate you. Bye. 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 Bye.